living in exciting times. And can we talk today? And I want to, of course, I, I had garden hose on me last week. I couldn't, couldn't be here. But uh, I was looking forward to sharing this last message with you about Wake Up America. And, uh, and I've been sharing, I, w I think there's like three uh, CDs that have been recorded. This would be the fourth one. Um, I, uh, I want to make a, uh, for those that are recording these things, uh, I'd like for these guys to make them available in a, in a packet of some kind for people to take home and listen to. Not that I'm such a, a good speaker, but the information that I have been giving um, is information that you need to rehearse every once in a while. Uh, we need to be you know, reminded about some things. We get so busy sometimes with living, we forget how close the coming of the Lord is. We are living in exciting times. And I think that, that God has been trying to get America's attention for a long, long time. There's been a slide spiritually and morally in this country for the past several decades. It started in the 60s now. And then someone would say, well, Pastor, there's, there's probably more people in church today than there ever has been in the history of, of America. Uh, that doesn't mean anything. Uh, there was once a cat that got into an old oven and had her litter of kittens in the oven, but that didn't make them biscuits. Just because, just because we got a lot of people in church doesn't mean they're saved. How do I know that? Because by their fruits, you will know them. By their fruit, you will know them. It's not by how they dress. Is their life committed to the Lord? Do they have the fruit that manifests Someone who has really accepted uh, Jesus as Savior and Lord. Uh, the scripture is very clear that not everybody that says Lord, Lord is going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that does the will of the Father in heaven. There's a lot of good people in our world. Uh, a, a lot of good people. We know them. And they are religious. Uh, and if you ask them, they will tell you that they love God. And, 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 you know, in their own way, they probably do. But they don't love God according to the scriptures. Uh, because it's different. Now, it, it, how, how did America get to this point? Uh, it, the statistics are astounding uh, about our, our political system. Nearly two-thirds of America does not vote. Probably two-thirds of those people are probably devout Christians. But of the, of the people who call themselves Christians that do vote, it doesn't make, it doesn't make a difference because they do not vote Bible values. They are, they are Christian in name, and they are religious in name, uh, but they are not uh, committed believers uh, because the Bible is not the roadmap of their life. See, a, a Christian or a committed Christian, is th this is not an option. This is the mandate. Uh, he, you know, this is something, you know, Jesus said this, why do you call me Lord and you don't do the things that I tell you to do? I mean, he, he, he played it pretty straight, didn't he? I mean, he just kind of told it like it was. And I, I think we need to really kind of face our issues if, if, if Christ. You know what I'd like to see? I'd like to see an old-fashioned revival of godly repentance, of where people are broken and weeping over their sinfulness. People come to Christ today, and, and they have no concept of sinfulness and there's no weeping of tears. They have sorrow because they got caught doing something. That's worldly sorrow. And so they come to God to try to get God to patch up the problems in their life. 
What I'd like to see is some godly sorrow where people fall into the altars broken uh, over their sin and they weep tears and they leave this place all wet, drip with tears because of their sinful condition. That's repentance. That's repentance. That's, that's how you know someone, you know, so, you know, and I know we have people re, repeat a prayer, but if that prayer doesn't mean anything to you and doesn't affect you emotionally, nothing happens. Three things has to happen for a person to, to change and to accept. Three things have to happen, and Billy Graham calls them little men. Picture three little men in your mind. One is your intellect, one is your will, one is your emotions. And when you hear the Word of God, your intellect lets you know that, hey, that's you. You're a sinner. You're not doing what God has told you to do. You are, you're a rebellion against God. So what's the next thing? It affects your emotions. Your emotion says, yes, that's me. I, that, that's a picture of me. Jesus, I hung Jesus there. My sin put him there on that tree, and it, it affects my emotions. And, and, but nothing takes place. You can hear the Word of God and know that you're not doing the right thing. And it can affect your emotions and you can cry. But until your will gets involved in it, nothing happens. Old Will has to reach out his arms and put his arm around emotion and put his arm around your intellect. And then you have to respond. You have to respond with a, by an act of your will to, to the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Or else nothing happens. So I'd like to see a, a, just a good old-fashioned godly uh, repentance revival where people are broken and where Christians are broken over their sinfulness. Amen. I told you, I said, well, can we talk today? Now I'm going to, I'm going to follow, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to kind of uh, finish this off. I have a lot of information. Hopefully you have a journal uh, or something to write on. Go ahead and, and start this PowerPoint. I'm totally committed and, and dependent upon this PowerPoint working. And if it doesn't, it is going to be a short one. Okay. I want to talk about signs. There is, there is things that are going on that you need to be aware of. Sometimes we, are, we get so caught up and get so involved in living that, that we do not notice when God is trying to get our attention. How many understands that 9-11 was God trying to get America's attention? Uh, the, the, the collapse of Wall Street was, was God trying to get America's attention. The collapse of, of Wall Street in 2008 when Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae and all those bailout dollars and billions of dollars of your tax day or dollars was put into saving this, the economy of the world. Uh, uh, you know, that free, uh, what was it, Lehman Brothers collapsed. Nobody saved them. How many got any bailout dollars? Did you get any bailout? I didn't get any bailout dollars. Did you? But we, 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 man, we got a bill together and put billions of dollars together to save all these. It was, a, it was God trying to get our attention. And, and, and what I have found that a lot of people just simply ignored uh, the, 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 the warning that, and the shaking that God is doing trying to get America's attention. God loves America. America, I love America. I, this country was founded on uh, uh, the, first, the first thing that was built, the first sign and the first thing that was built on American soil was a cross. They raised it not too far from Plymouth Rock. It was a cross. It was the first thing that was built on, on, on America. America was dedicated to God. It was founded on, on the Judean principles of, of Jehovah God. And, uh, and, and the, His law is the one is the basis for all of our, our law systems today was the Ten Commandments. And so God loves America. I love America, and so probably do you. 
So America needs to wake up because God does not want to bring complete judgment upon America. Now, he's allowed all these things to happen to America, trying to get us to wake up. But if, we, if America continues in her rebellion, there'll be a point in time in the future when God is going to allow something more tragic to happen. Why? Because he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Acts chapter 2, verse 20, we'll talk about some signs, all right? The sun shall be turned, and talking about end time, uh, talking about things that will be taking place on the earth. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 20, he turns his attention to things that's going to be going on in the heavens as signs uh, pointing toward the end. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. There's going to be signs in the heavens. There'll be, there'll be warning signs. There'll be things that God wants you to notice and to see, to give you a, a wake-up call. And we have to be alert to them. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 14, now, and then God said, now listen to me very carefully. When God says something, you need, we need to pay attention. God does not debate with the atheist. God does not debate with a person who does not believe in him. He doesn't debate. He doesn't have to debate. He just simply declares, I'm God, and above me there is no other. Accept it if you want to and reject it if you want to. I really don't care. I'm God, and you're not. In the beginning, God. He gave Moses a revelation. Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible, and he gave him a revelation of how this all began. In the beginning, God. And you can, you, the atheist, you, you can, can say, well, that's not true or whatever. I don't believe in that. It, well, it doesn't make any difference. God still is. He doesn't debate that issue. He just declares, I'm God. Well, where, where did he come from? In the beginning. He was there in the dateless past. He'll be, he's in the dateless future. He's there. He's God, okay? And God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night. And let them be for signs. And if you're taking notes, you need to underline that. Or if you're following along your Bible, you need to underline that word signs. And seasons. Also underline that one. And for days and years, God began to wind this thing up. This universe, this vast universe is a, is a, is a huge clock. He wound it up and then he set it into motion and the planets began to evolve in their orbits and the sun uh, began to stand in its place. The earth began to orbit around the sun. The moon began to orbit around the earth. He sets it all in order to the signs, all right? Signs, and the word in the Hebrew means a signal, a warning, or an omen. It's like, it's like one if by land, two if by sea. It's a sign. It's, it's something to give you a signal. Seasons is from the Hebrew word moed. It means a divinely appointed time. It's the same word that is used for the Feast of Israel. Why do I say that? Because the Feast of Israel was put uh, to be, uh, to be uh, experienced or on certain times during the year uh, as a historical reference for what, what has happened to them and as a prophetic reference for what's going to happen in the future. So it was in a divine appointed time, all right? Go to this next slide. Get this. God's plan has a predetermined order of events. God is a God of order. Now, and you need to write this down. His plan, his plan that he devised before this thing ever started. In the dateless past, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit got together, and they devised a plan. 
And in that plan, there was a predetermined order of events that was going to take place during the course of a 6,000 or 7,000 year period. Christmas itself is proof that God has an order of those events to occur. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 in the New Testament says, But when the fullness of the time had come, what did that mean? It means that God had a predetermined order of time for His Son to appear on the earth. He had a woman already picked out that was going to be the mother uh, of, of His Son. Okay? And then He, and notice what happened here. That, that he marked the, this date with a sign. What kind of a sign did he mark with this date? How did the wise men know that he had been born? He put them in the sky for what? Signs. Now, most of the world, his birth went unnoticed. Now, here, here is a key. And the same thing happens in believers' lives. Now, they should have known, according to the Scripture, that the Messiah was going to be born. The Old Testament speaks of him. In, in fact, you can pick up his story in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, where it talks about the seed of the woman is going to bruise the head of the serpent. That's the first mention that a Redeemer is going to be coming. And you can trace it through the Bible. It even tells what family he's going to be born from. And, and it even tells the town. In fact, when the wise men came to Jerusalem, they, they, they got directions from a, from a heathen. And uh, he called for his wise men. And they said, uh, do you know anything about this? And they said, yeah, well, the Old Testament Scripture says he's going to be born in Bethlehem. They already knew that, but they wasn't looking for him. Why? They missed the sign. Missed the sign, church. There's a lot of church people that's missing the signs. It's not that they're, that they're you know, understand something. Not everybody's on the same page. That's the, reason, that's the reason you need to put yourself in a position to learn some stuff. Get away from the TV and pick up some good books and get in your Bible. You know why? Because if you don't, you're going to miss the signs. And you're going to be caught unaware. It'll slip up on you like a thief in the night. It's not supposed to because you're supposed to be alert and watching, but it's going to because you and I are not applying ourselves to what God told us to do. We're so focused on the world and making a living and all that stuff, and, we, and we're more concerned about this life than we are our spiritual life or what God is doing and what His program is doing. The world missed it, but three wise men in a foreign country, hundreds of miles away, saw the sign. So God had a predetermined date, and He marked that date with a sign. That sign was from the heavens. Go to the next slide. Notice the Jewish feast days were memorials for past events in their history. But they were also prophetic in nature and a sign of a future event that was going to happen. Check this out. Israel failed to see Jesus as the Messiah because they didn't connect the sign of the Passover feast to him. Now get this. This is ironic. They missed the sign. Moab means a, 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 a picture of a divine appointment. In Egypt, for they had celebrated Passover for 1,500 years and missed the significance of what the Passover feast was all about. Yes, it, it, it was something that had happened in their history. It was their deliverance from Egypt. The lamb was slain. The blood was put over the doorpost. The death angel passed over them. They were delivered from Egypt. They came out of Egypt. 
and God says, I want you to commemorate this by having a feast. You're going to have it every year at a specific time. You're going to, and he gave them the instruction. You're going to take the lamb uh, on this date of the, of, of the month. You're going to put him up for four days. You're going to kill him on this day, and you're going to, and you're going to sacrifice him, and we'll go put the sins off. What did that point to? It simply pointed not to just something that happened in the history, but it pointed to something that was going to happen in the future, that a God was going to provide a lamb that was not going to be a temporary fix, but was going to be a permanent fix for this thing called sin. John saw him coming down the road, and he, the forerunner of Jesus, and he looked at him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. He connected the dots. He saw the sign, but all of Israel missed the sign. Only a few, only a handful recognized the sign. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 4, speaking about the rapture of the church. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. Now listen, it's going to take a lot of church people like a thief, but it shouldn't. You know why? Because Christians need to wake up and notice the sign. And when you go home, you need to turn off days of our life. And if you're going to use that TV, you need to put it on some programs that's going to give you some information about God. Amen? You need to listen to the news with an ear about what's happening in the Middle East and what's happening according to the Bible. Why? Because if you're not careful, there's going to be millions and millions of people on our planet that will miss it, and the rapture of the church will come for them as a thief in the night, but it's not supposed to because why? Because he gives us the signs to alert us. He said, you are, it's not going to catch you unaware. The church that is looking for it is not going to be caught unaware because they're going to notice the signs, they're going to see the signs and know the event is near and live accordingly. Amen? Go to the next slide. Check this out. question is this. How do we respond to signs or warnings that are given to us? How are you going to respond to the signs or warnings that are given to us? America, has, uh, it was, after 9-11, our church was full for a while, but it didn't last, did it? Repentance. Now, people were scared. They came to church, wanted to know what was going on. Fear left them. You know, the world continued to go. We didn't drop off the, off the earth. And so uh, the, it was a quick, it wasn't a, 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 a repentance revival. It was just a revival of fear. And after, after a few weeks and everything went on as normal, then they forgot about the shaking. They forgot about God trying to get their attention. And it was a short-lived revival. Some people are simply unaware of the things that are going on around them. They're busy with life. Now, I, I know that we're supposed to be involved with life. We're supposed, to, we're supposed to prepare. We're supposed to, you know, live like we're going to be on this planet for a long time and, uh, you know, and, and prepare and then keep our lives together like it could, we could end today because the truth is the rapture could take place before we get out of this building. But some people are so caught up with the business of life, you say, where is that in the Scripture? As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. They were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, they were given in marriage, life as, it, as normal. But the flood came. You know, over 100 years, Noah's building a boat. That has to be a sign. You can't miss it. 
I mean, after 100 years, the word has to get around. And the movie you see, the movie you see had nothing to do with the real Noah. Okay? Nobody slipped into that ark. Rock people. How many saw that stupid movie besides me? What a waste of money. The flood came. They missed the sign. Noah said, it's going to rain. It's coming. God told me, I'm building this boat. They just looked at him as someone that was weird probably. And they probably look at us, those, those that are really serious about this thing, they probably look at us as weird. And that's okay. But listen, you keep connecting the dots. You keep looking at the signs because the signs are all around us that this thing is winding it up. Don't get so, get, don't get so caught up with this world that you forget that you don't, uh, are not aware of the signs. Secondly, check this out. Some people do not listen or take the warning uh, or signs from God seriously. You say, well, where did that happen in the Bible? I can tell you exactly where it happened. Rem there's three words. There's a verse of Scripture. There's the shortest verse in the Bible is Jesus wept. It's two words. The next shortest word in the Bible is this. And Jesus said it. Remember Lot's wife. Why remember Lot's wife? She couldn't get over. God would not destroy our city. She couldn't, she couldn't get, you know, they didn't take it seriously. She was told specifically, get out of the city and don't look back. She got a word direct from the angel. You think, boy, if, if an angel spoke to me, I'd get serious with God. <laughs> well, Maybe for a while. But she did not take it seriously. Some people do not listen or take the warning or signs from God seriously. Question, what would you do with a watchdog that did not bark when danger threatens? What would you do if you had a watchdog that uh, you, you had for protection around your house and he never barked? I got a dog like that. It's a true story. I got one. Somebody dropped one off several months ago, and he just kind of adopted us, but he does not bark. Now, I can hear him barking every once in a while late at night, but he's probably barking at a coyote or something. When somebody drives up, he doesn't bark. He goes to the door and sits there. True story. How many has ever come to my house? He doesn't bark. He, he's a greeter. Yeah, he just greets people. He doesn't bark. He doesn't even bark to let you know somebody's drove up. He goes out there to find out if you brought him something to eat. What is a dog worth that doesn't bark? Nothing. He just eats. Why did I say all that for? Listen, sometimes we have to give a warning. I'm barking today. I'm giving a warning that we need to wake up and notice the signs that are all around us that point to the soon return of Christ. You may not be privileged to, to have uh, information. We have some books this morning. If you're interested in getting some information about what is really going on around us in our world today, that, that there are some books that Kathy has up here. I think they have about 10, 15 books up there. It's called The Mystery of the Shemitah. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. The uh, Shemitah is the... Is the a term of the last day of the Sabbath year 
when things go free. It, it, it uh, affects the financial system uh, of, of the world, or of, especially of Israel. And we have those books. If you're interested in getting some of those in your hand, we have them after service, all right? Go to this next slide. You need to arm yourself with some information. How many knows, how many's heard about four blood moons? How many, let me do this way. How many has never heard the story of four blood moons? Let me see your hand. You have no idea what we're talking about. So how many is just too scared to raise your hands? Let me share some things with you. How many knows that two blood moons have already taken place this past year in 2014? We are right now in the middle of a series of four blood moons. Now, what makes these blood moons so significant is that, is that they land on Jewish feast days. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to describe these things to you in just a moment. They land on Jewish feast days. That is very, very rare. That, that does not happen. In the past 500 years, it has only happened three times before now, in the last 500 years. Someone said it has only happened seven times in history since A.D. 1, since the first century uh, it has only happened seven times. I do not have, have evidence to support that, but I do have evidence to support that it had only happened three times in the past 500 years. It is very rare. And what makes it more rare is that these four blood moons fall on a Sabbath year. Not only do they fall on the Jewish feast days, but they, most of them, three of them, is within the limits of a Sabbath year. What do I mean by Sabbath year? Every seventh year, was, a, was a, a special year for the Jewish people, and they were to let the land lay out, be uncultivated for seven years. Now, on that seventh year, for the whole year. They wasn't supposed to farm, wasn't supposed to do anything to that land. All right, and it was a special time. It was, it was, a, land, it was a special time for the Lord. It was a rest for the land. And on the last day of that Sabbath year, the 29th of Elu, it was called the Shemitah. And on that last day of that Sabbath year, there was a financial release. There was a forgiveness of debt. There was a letting go, a setting free. And so these blood moons are not only do they fall on Jewish feast days, but they also fall within the realm and the parameters of the Sabbath year, which makes this very rare. Now remember, God says, uh, God said that I'm going to give you signs. And, and the moon will be, will be turned to blood, and the sun will be turned to darkness. It'll be a sign. Heaven's going to get involved with giving signs to try to alert people to the fact that this thing is winding up. And it has happened, uh, according to, uh, to some sources, seven times in the past, for sure only three times in the last 500 years, and now it's happening for the fourth time, or possibly for the eighth time, which is the number of new beginnings. And if God's numbering system is true, and this is the eighth time, it means something new is about to start. It is a sign. It's a wake-up call. Now, God's not coming down and knocking on your door, but He's putting signs in the heavens. And for those of us who put ourselves in position to learn some of this information, it should be a wake-up call. And when you get armed with it, maybe you should bark a little bit. Because you are watchmen for what's taking place in our spiritual world. Amen? So a watchman, what good is a watchman that doesn't say anything? What good is a watchman that stays silent when he sees the enemy approaching? We need to bark a little bit. 
NASA, NASA call, and you can go on the NASA website and get this information. NASA calls the, the sequence of four blood moons a tetrad. It has happened now. There's, there's uh, blood moons every year. In fact, there's, but there's two uh, blood moons uh, almost every year. But, uh, and, and they will be. But what the significance is they don't land on Jewish feast days. Significance is they don't, they don't land uh, all the time in the Sabbath year, every seventh year. So it happens, it, it, and NASA even calls it a tetrad. There's only been three tetrads in the last 500 years that have fallen on Jewish feast days. Now, there is a, there's a principle in the Scripture that, that applies here. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, let everything what? Be established. Go to this next slide. Now, wait a minute. Go, stay right there just for a moment. Just, I'm going to ask some questions. Okay, go back to this. All right. Uh, how many knows who, uh, I, I think, is it his, was his name Duncan? Uh, Thomas Duncan, I think was his name. Did anybody, uh, does that ring a bell with anybody? He was in Texas. Uh, he contacted Ebola. He was in Texas. And on September 25th, he checked himself into the hospital to be treated for Ebola, the first Ebola patient in the United States. He checked himself into the hospital in Texas on September 25th, okay? Now, notice, September 25th is the start of the Sabbath year. He, the first case, Ebola outbreak, pestilence, how does God bring judgment? There's different ways that God brings judgment. He brings judgment by, by drought, by pestilence, and by war. There's several things that he uses. And, and it just so happens that he checked himself into the hospital on the first day of the Sabbath when the Sabbath year started. That was September 25th. He died on October 8th, which was the second blood moon. The report that he died was posted. September 8th just happened to be on a blood moon. Something else happened on September 8th that affects the financial systems of the world. The report came out that China had passed the United States as the leading economic power of the world. When did that announcement take place? On September 8th, 2014. It came out in the newspapers. Uh, I, ha I had a picture of the Chinese people celebrating the fact that China had passed America, the, when did, the second blood moon, the first blood moon within the perimeters of the Sabbath year, which, is, which affects the financial systems of the world, it started October 8th. Now, go to this next slide. The first occurrence of, of four blood moons happening on Jewish feast days occurred in 19, 1492 and 1493. It was concurrent with the Spanish Inquisition. And those of you that are, that are in, into history knows that the Jewish people that was in, that was in Spain was given four months to accept the, the state religion with Catholicism. And they were given four months to embrace the Catholic religion uh, or die. And uh, so a lot of them, a lot of them left and, and got out of the country. Their land was confiscated. A lot of them uh, recanted their Jewish uh, faith and accepted the, the, the uh, Catholic religion. 
and, and, and they wound up getting killed anyway. Most of them got killed anyway. And Spain liquidated all their profit, all their land, and all of their assets. That's exactly what happened in the concurrence. Uh, the, uh, according to the Jewish rabbis, blood moons are a bad sign for Israel, and, uh, and eclipses, solar eclipses, is a bad sign for the world. According to Jewish, uh, to uh, the priests, that uh, a blood red moon means a sword is coming uh, to the world. And, and, and a solar eclipse means that a sword is coming uh, also to the nations of the world. So it always begins in tears, but it always winds up in joy. And of course, we know that in history that, that uh, uh, the New World was found, Christopher Columbus found uh, America. It was a place, a safe haven for the Jewish people to flee from. So out of, good, out of bad comes good. The second occurred in 1949 and 1950. It was married to one of the greatest events in prophetic history, the return of Jews to their homeland after almost 1,900 years of being scattered after this, this four-blood-moon tetrad that landed on the feast days of Israel. Uh, they once again, after 1,900 of years of wandering and being scattered throughout the world, they came home. Click in this third one. The third was in 1967, 68. Israel was attacked by three Arab nations. It was known as the Six-Day War. At the end of the Six-Day War, the flag of the Star of David was raised over the city of Jerusalem, and the city of Jerusalem was united for the first time in nearly 2,000 years under Jewish control. That happened during the third tetrad when these four blood moons landed on Jewish feast days. A coincidence? Just a happening? It could have been a sign. Let me go quickly, and we're going to close this thing down. Can we expect some major event to happen this next year? If, if things happen in the last three, don't you think something major could possibly happen this coming year? If the past is any, has any significance at all and, it, and great things happen, do you think that maybe this coming year some major event might happen? But I have a question. Knowing that something is going to happen, is it going to change your life? It's one thing to say, well, that's great signs. And putting that information, how is it going to affect us? Is it going to change our lifestyle? Are we going to start doing things uh, differently than we have done in the past? Go to the next one. We know, and here's some things we know. We know that Iran will be nuclear in just a few short months. This we know. Okay, what could happen? We know that, that they have about 12 nuclear uh, plants. We know that they're, they're in the process of creating a, a nuclear weapon. We know that, that they're going to have it within the next few months. These be, this, is not, this is not speculation. They're going to have it, which means that Israel is going to be forced to do something. As we're saying, I'm not, I'm not making this up. Israel will be forced to deal with them because Iran hates their guts. Is that plain language? So we are looking, we are looking at, at something at a, at, at a major event. We know that in order for there to be a one-world religion, a one-world government, and a one-world currency, it will not be possible as long as Islam maintains its power and influence. That we know that the, at the end time there will be a one-world religion. That is not going to be, that, you cannot accomplish that with Islam. They are not going to accept any other religion but Islam. And, and so there's, we have a conflict here. What's going to take place? Some major event has to take place for these things to be developed. Go to this next slide. 
I'm going to move quickly, and we're going to close. Here's the nation on God's hit list. You can write these down. You will find them listed in Ezekiel chapter 38. They're Russia, Iran, our, modern, our, our old, old time Persia. That's where Haman built the gallows for the German people. God has some against every one of these nations. He has not forgotten what these nations have done for Israel. He has not forgotten what Russia has done. He has not forgotten what Iran has done. He's not forgotten what these people have done. He's not forgotten what Germany has done, parts of northern Turkey. It is predicted that these nations will come against Israel in the last days, and God will destroy these nations in the land of Israel. I've got the scriptures down there for you to read. All right, go to the next slide quickly. God will destroy these nations three different ways. Number one, a great earthquake. Some will be swallowed up by the ground. Ezekiel 38, 18 through 20. Put it down in your book. You say, will God, will God do that? God will do that. He's done it before. Now notice this. When this happens, Israel is not going to have to fire a shot. This is going to happen. It's not speculation. I'm not making this up. Islam has to be destroyed before the kingdoms can set up a one world religion. Because Islam will not accept any other religion. So what, what has happened? It has to be destroyed. Who's going to destroy it? God is. How's he going to destroy that army? He's going to cause a great earthquake. You read about it. it and they, they will be swallowed up by the ground. How, where did that happen before? There was, a, there was a problem about leadership and who's going to lead the nation of Israel. Uh, Moses gets on one side. Uh, all of his people that are against him gets on the other side, ground opens, swallows them up, close them up. How many knows that Israel's, uh, hey, Abraham's the leader, or Moses' the leader, right? I mean, that kind of settled it. Second way he's going to destroy them, some will be destroyed by friendly fire. They'll kill each other. You say, well, God do that? Absolutely. He's done it before. Read the story of Gideon. Gideon didn't have to do anything. He only was only 300 people. But when he sounded that trumpet and broke those pitchers and those lights began to shine, fear gripped those, those people and they began to kill each other as they ran away. That's exactly what's going to happen on that day. They're going to start killing each other. This vast army of millions of people are going to start killing each other. Click in this next one. God will use the elements, pestilence, flooding, great hailstones. He's going to stone them. These hailstones... Now, the scriptures relate to weighing 100 pounds. I, I, I'm not going to try to explain this to you. I'm just going to say this big. They're big. They're, they're big. Okay? And uh, has God ever done that before? Oh, yeah. Read Joshua chapter 10. He's done that before. He rained hailstones on Joshua, uh, on, the, on the enemies of Joshua. And in fact, the scripture says more died by the hailstone than did by the armies of, of Joshua. He's going he's gonna to beat that army to death with hailstones that weigh close to 100 pounds. Israel is not going to have to lift a finger. And God is going to destroy five-sixths of the Russian army and their allies in the land of Israel. And Israel, or the rest of the world, is not going to have to lift a finger to do it. God, when Putin marches across the stage and has his old chest out, God's going to stone him. Whenever you see him, just remember, God's going to rock his world. Yeah. It won't be so cocky after God gets finished with him. 
Amen? God's going to stone him. Go to this next slide. Why is God doing this? Ezekiel chapter 39, verse 7. This and this, and I'm going to close it. So I will make my name known in the midst of my people Israel. Israel has rejected him, and at this point in time, this is where the revival starts in Israel. Israel is going to know. Israel is going to know for the first time in all those hundreds of years, Israel is going to, I will make my name known in the midst of my people Israel, and I will not let them profane my holy name anymore. Then the nations shall know that I am the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. You know what's going to happen? People are predicting a great revival. You know when it's going to happen? Right here. The liberal will have nothing, absolutely nothing to say. He'll quit arguing about taking the Ten Commandments out of the courthouse. Why? Because God's going to prove himself God. And above me, there is no other. There's only one God, and all is not him. And the nations of the world, not only the Jewish people is going to start a revival, but the nations of the world is going to start bowing before him. They're going to recognize him as God. It's going to be a short window, but you and I have got to be ready for the harvest. You and I have got to be ready. When this takes place, it won't last long. It'll be a short window, but it will be open because the nations of the world that will know and he'll prove, God will prove beyond all measure that he is God. There'll be no arguments. The atheist will become silent. The agnostic will become silent. We're going to put Christ back in Christmas. Amen. Why? Because he's God and they're not. Don't be silent. Don't be silent. They may take the Ten Commandments out of the courthouse, but they can't silence the church. Keep on barking. They may call you weird and squirrel and all that other stuff, but don't, don't worry about that. They may throw some of you in jail, but keep that's been done before, but it didn't silence the church. The church kept on going. They tried to burn some of them at the stake, and they did burn some at the stake, but it didn't stop the true church. It just got stronger. They threw some of them into the lions in the Colosseum, and when the lions were charging across the arena to kill them, they were lifting their hands and shouting to the people in the stands, Maranatha, Jesus is coming. The church, the true church, will not be stamped out. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the true church. Don't remain silent. Stand up, speak up, be counted. Let it change the world. Don't, don't be, listen, get a hold of these signs. God's trying to get our attention. Amen? Heavenly Father, I thank you for the folks that are here today. Oh, my heart is full, and I, I, and I only gave them just, just uh, a few things of that, that, that I process in, in my heart. And my heart is stirred, God, because uh, these four blood moons may not signal the rapture and the, and the catching away of the church, but it does show us that time is winding up. And that's what I want these folks to see. That these signs in the heavens are to alert us to the fact that the events of history is coming to a close. And that your purposes are going to be fulfilled. And you have a divine plan that's been set in order. Dates are already set. Signs are appearing and dates are being set and coming to pass. And these things in your word will happen.
let us let us take notice of the signs. Let it let it change our life. Let us become sensitive to what you are doing. And if we need to make some changes, God, give us the grace to change. going to prove himself one more time. He's going to shake this planet one more time. And the scripture says, now get this, the scripture says that five-sixths of the army is going to be destroyed in the land of Israel. Of that great host that comes against Israel without lifting a hand and without firing a shot. God only leaves one-sixth of that army alive. He wipes out Islam with, an, with one stroke. One stroke, he wipes them out. Yes, that will pave the way for the rising of the Antichrist and the one world religion. But it will also open up a short window of revival for the world one last time. You and I have got to be ready for that. God is not going to play. He means business. Amen. Stand with me all across the building today. I know I kept you long, a long time. I, I, there's other things I could have said, but I know I kept you. Listen, tonight, got a, Mike Johnson came by. I got a knock on my door this, this, this past week. Mike Johnson and Mary has come back from Idaho and they're spending some time in town. He's going to be with us tonight and be ministering for us tonight. I'm telling you, don't miss him. You will enjoy him. He is, he is still burning, okay? I mean, he is, he is excited about God. And uh, the last time he was here, he dropped on the floor and rolled around. I don't know what he's going to do tonight, but he's excited. So come out and uh, listen to Mike tonight, all right? Everybody, if you're here and you don't know Christ, I don't want you to just repeat this prayer just for something to do, but I want you to mean it. I, and if you mean it with your heart, God's going to make some changes. I want you to, uh, to, to regret. I want you to be sorry for your sin. Your sin is what hung Jesus on the tree. I want you to understand that. And when you ask him to forgive you, I, I, it, it, it's gonna, there's, something's going to happen to you emotionally. You're the one that did it. I'm the one that did it. And I want you to understand that. You Repentance means I accept responsibility that I put you there, but I'm thankful today and asking you to forgive me. So when we repeat this prayer and I say meaning it with your heart, that's exactly what I mean. Our nothing is going to happen. Everyone, repeat after me. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart and make me new. I receive you today as the Lord and Savior of my life. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you tonight.